I'm one of those guys. I don't know why the mercy of God would be so deep as to touch me, but it has touched me and set my heart on fire. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Eliff and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We are so glad uh, that you are here today, humbled. I'm Kyle Reno's Bill Eliff, and we started a series last week really about markers of movements, that there's these non-negotiable markers that you see in moves of God, and try to really bore down into some specifics. And man, I thought last week was a great setup and believing that this series would truly be a help. To us. And so, Bill, I, I know you are. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and call you one. You're, you're a passion person, right? Like, you, I, if you get close no, to I'm, Bill. <laughs> I've been accused of that. Yeah. <laughs> I am a little dramatic. Yeah. And I get passionate about things. Oh, I love it. You get fired up. You get fired up. And I, the, the beauty of that is I love about uh, people, and I think that there's natural disposition, you know, some people that are just passionate people. You know, and then there's those that God shares passion with. So I I, I grew up, you know, I, my family is a passion line <laughs> that we're we're passionate about even the things you know of this world. Uh, you shouldn't before. be passionate about yeah, right, yeah. exactly that those passions need to die. So, uh, but then I, I'm a sports guy too, and now I'm watching baseball and I love baseball. But I was coached the guy that played the primary part in my life coming to Christ, he's probably one of the most passionate people I've ever known. And I remember being uh, ninth grade and seen, I seen him do things that was not physically possible. You know, like, uh, like you shouldn't be able to tear a cooler apart. You ever seen a guy like that, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Like you shouldn't be able to take a baseball bat and beat and pulverize a cooler into that many pieces. Like that, that's just... It came out of him. So there's bad passion, you know, there's, there's, but then I also watched as a senior in high school, him coming to Christ, the guy that could break coolers and created cuss words, right? And a senior in high school, I remember him sitting us down. I'm his catcher. So I'm, I'm, there's a close relationship between catchers and coaches and sit us down and him talk about him coming to Christ with Mm. tears in his eyes, you know, and I told a guy. I literally turned to a friend and said, this won't last one practice. This wow. won't last one practice. Well, it's it's last 25, 26 years, you know, like, and he's a, his mm-hmm. same, his, I would even say even more so, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that mm-hmm. passion was now focused for the things of the kingdom of God. And he turned directly after his catcher and started mm-hmm. sharing Jesus with me and all those things. And so, Bill, I know that God, that God's shown you things, that there is something, there's something about this white-hot passion for God that plays out in a person and even in people that's a marker of a movement. Well, it really is. You, you can't, you know, you, if you study revival history, uh, you always, it's a, it's, it always has some names to it. You know, Jonathan Edwards, the first great awakening, uh, the second great awakening, so many different names. Finney was one of those, but, 
but uh, you know uh, the uh, McCready and the Cane Ridge Revival and Jeremiah Lanfear in the eighteen fifty seven, et cetera. So there's there's always somebody or a group of people that God has ignited something in their heart, and they just can't. They they just can't get over it. They can't run from it. I I remember talking one time to Byron Paulus, who uh, started One Cry. It was in his heart to start One Cry. He said, "I when he when he went to kind of choose people to speak at times, he said, I want the guy that if you ask him to preach on one thing, he preaches on revival because he just can't get around it. And... Uh, so there is this element. I remember once reading a tremendous book, Good to Great. It's a very well-known uh, business book. And uh, Jim Collins did a study over 20 years of what made good companies great companies. And he said, I t I, he found five things. And he said, I tried and tried not to make the first one what was really the first one, but but the first one was a passionate leader. And he said, it's interesting. I didn't always find that guy to be the greatest charismatic leader, you know, just had a, all this total abundance of ability. It could be a quiet uh, man, but they were passionate, faithful, committed. He said, you just couldn't, you couldn't find a great company that didn't have a leader like that. Uh, one of those leaders in movement history, spiritual movements, was a guy with a long name uh, but a enduring legacy, Count von Zinzendorf. He lived in the early 1700s. And von Zinzendorf was a wealthy man by, by birth, and uh, yet he came to know Christ, and a long story there I can't go into, but he welcomed uh, refugees onto his land and basically developed a community, they called it Hernhut, of, of these different refugees. And his burden was to create a Christian community that would really show the world uh, what New Testament Christianity could do. But when they got together, it wasn't very Christ-like. There was divisions and different ideas. And, and, and von Zinzendorf, now listen to this, he moved from his palace into the village, and he just lived with the people. And he began to disciple them, and he began to form them in, in groups of three. That's pretty fascinating, where they would, where they would uh, hold each other accountable, and they'd pray together and read the Word of God together. And, and unity began to grow, and the, and the walls began to fall down. And then one day, August 13th in 1727, uh, God just came. They call it the Moravian Pentecost. And everything changed from that point over. It was an invasion of the Spirit of God. We would call that an, a, a moment of, of revival, a moment of, of a tremendous spiritual movement that happened. That began, now listen to this, a prayer meeting 24 hours a day that lasted, now you don't believe this, but 100 years. 100-year prayer meeting, 24-7. And out of that, and this is what always happens when spiritual movement occurs, this passion for lost people and the passion for the nations began to occur. Now, you have to realize 
that missions like we know it of people going to other lands was non-existent. Nobody did that. But several years later, uh, Zinzendorf encountered some men from the West Indies and discovered the lostness of that area. And so two men, Leonard Dober and David Nietzscheman, uh, they packed up and they left to go to the West Indies with the desire, with the thought that they would never come home. And more missionaries began to go. In fact, they would pack their goods in coffins, indicating that this is the way we can get our stuff to where we're going, but also we're not coming back. And uh, within 15 years, 13,000 people had come to Christ in, uh, in the West Indies. And within 20 years from uh, that Moravian hernhut, uh, more missionaries had gone out than all Protestants had seen in the previous 200 years. Now, this, there's a tremendous little book called Movements That Change the World by Steve Addison. You, you really ought to get it and read it. And, and Addison says this, church history is not made by well-financed, well-resourced individuals and institutions. History is made by men and women of faith who have met with the living God. And let me just say that one more time. History is made by men and women of faith who have met with the living God. And when that happens, God ignites a passion in their heart that they cannot, they cannot get rid of. I, I know right now, as some of you are listening, maybe you're in your home or maybe in your car and tears are coming to your eyes right now because you know that's me that's what's happened to me i'm one of those guys i don't know why the mercy of god would be so deep as to touch me but it has touched me and set my heart on fire that's what happened to two guys that were just they were fishermen they weren't professional you know, pastors or clergy or anything. We we read about them right in the middle of the greatest movement in human history, which was the beginning of the first church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 1 and following. And we come to Acts 4, and God had used these two guys, Peter and John, in such a miraculous way that people were being healed and and and. Thousands of people were coming to Christ. It was a real movement of God. And they were pulled in by the religious elite and, uh, and told to stop. And, and we read this incredible statement in, in, in verse 8 of chapter 4 of Acts. It says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up and he and he just proclaimed the gospel to them in that moment. Now, I want you to notice some things about these passionate people. First of all, passionate people that are used in times of movement are filled with God. I, I don't have to give any other description. You can say, well, they're this or that. You know, you don't, have, you don't describe them as, oh, they have eloquent, eloquent speech or they, they're smarter than the average bearer or they're great strategic thinkers. Listen, 
God uses all kinds of people with all kinds of gifts, but there's one thing that you cannot get around in spiritual movements. He uses people who are filled with him, filled with the Holy Spirit. You just keep reading all through the book of Acts. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, 60 times the Holy Spirit is mentioned. The, t- the title that man gave to the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, but it really could be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, right? So movements happen when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the second thing we see here in Acts 4, is movements happen when we're confident in the simple gospel. If we could read this passage in verse 10 through 13, uh, Peter just gets up and basically he said, Jesus has come, Jesus died, Jesus was resurrected, and we must believe in Jesus for salvation. I mean, it was as simple as you could possibly get. It was almost a restatement of what we hear him saying on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved. But then the next verse in, uh, in verse 13 says this, when they observed the confidence of Peter and John. Now, they were, they were confident because they believed in the gospel. They believed the gospel was the power of God unto salvation. They believed the word of God was like a two-edged sword that would, would discern the thoughts and, 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 of, and motives of men's heart and pierce to the soul exactly as it had done on the day of Pentecost. You know, somewhere along the way, we, we have lost confidence in the gospel, right? But Paul, who knew about this better than anybody, said in Romans chapter 1, he said, listen, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. It's just the power of God. There's something powerful about the gospel. And I'm not talking about just, you know, the Roman road. I'm talking everything, really, the whole scripture is the gospel of God, this great redemptive story. But Peter and John were just confident. They didn't, they didn't need anything else but to proclaim what God said was the way to him. So they were filled with the Spirit. They were confident in, in the simple gospel. I love what Addison says. He says, you can run an institution with systems of command and control, but Jesus founded a movement, not an institution. He brought his followers into the same experience that he had with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Then he sent them to the ends of the earth with nothing but the message of salvation and the reality of God's power. (laughs) Great statement. So movements happen when we're filled with the Spirit, when you have some man, some woman, some student, some college guy, who's confident in the simple gospel, and they just stand up and proclaim it. During the the movement of God this past spring and following the Asbury, I know of one one girl, I've I've, I've met her by uh, on a Zoom call one day, and uh, she just, she was at Baylor, and she just stood up in the, in the student union building and on a chair and just proclaimed the gospel. And uh, she was confident in the simple gospel. Uh, 
And then thirdly, what's beautiful in movements is God begins to work. And so what they're doing is backed by the evidence of changed lives. Uh, You can't argue with a changed life, right? The world can debate your theology, but when they look at a truly changed life, a a guy like uh, the coach that that, uh, Kyle talked about just a moment ago, and, and they may have heard his words and thought, yeah, maybe, but then you watch him day after day after day and you see a changed life, you can't argue with that. And the Bible says that here are these prognosticators who are trying to accuse Peter and John. And in verse 14 of Acts 4, it says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. I love that. Shut your mouth, right? It just shut their mouth. There, were, there was nothing they could they could say in reply. One final thing that marks passionate people who are used in the movements of God is they're just unwilling to stop. They just won't stop. So, so these Pharisees told Peter and John, John to stop, and it says in verse nineteen. Peter and John, and these are just uneducated and untrained men, but they've been with Jesus. And Peter and John answered them and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Kyle, I love uh, Western history and Western stories. I'm a little cowboy at heart. And I I love this true uh, quote by a a Texas ranger. His name was Bill McDonald. It's it's actually on his tombstone. And they said he would regularly quote it. And he said this, No man in the wrong can stand up against a fellow that's in the right and just keeps on a-coming. Right? And movements happen when men and women and students get touched by the life of God, filled with him, confident that the message they've heard is a message that'll change other people's lives, and they have a changed life to back it up, and they just keep it coming. Keep it coming. Well, man, you're just sitting here, and I'm thinking of so many people that I know that uh, are models of faith for me, you know, that, that love the Lord. And here's the truth. You can't fake fire. You need not real fire. You can't fake the fire of God. If it, if it, if it, and there is something unexplainable but so uh, tangible about someone who is just filled with the presence of God, the power of God. That when you get around them, you smell Him. That when you get when you get when you hear their voice, that through them in times you hear His, and you know that God is speaking through that person. And the, and and I believe God wants that for every one of His children. That for all of us to know Him and walk with Him and to be marked by Him, and that the that that are literally even I think of several places in Acts where it even talks about their faces, you know that, that there's this radiance of God on them, and that it, and here's the truth to all that are listening today: if you come in close, He's He'll give you that, you know if you if you lean in, the Lord loves to make Himself known through His kids, and you and you don't. You don't have to be a brilliant theologian 
know, th- th- I think I think Kyle, this is one of the reasons why so many movements of God and missionary movements and revival movements have begun among students because their hearts are ten- tender. They're not clouded by a lot of cynical objections. And when they see God, and this is what happened at Asbury. I was there. I watched it. When those students saw the love of God, it broke their hearts. They fell on their face. They repented. God began to heal them. And then they began to sing. Man, I mean, I've never seen anything like the singing and the testifying about what God had done. And that's what we're seeing around us. Uh, and, and we don't need to despise that. I mean, just that little parentheses right here. Boy, be careful. When some student in your youth group gets on fire for God, that you don't sit back in your pew somewhere and say, you know, well, he'll get over that. Well, let's pray that he doesn't. Let's pray that he's just a passion. He may become the leader in your church and the leader in your city that God used because he's just got white hot passion for Christ. Yeah, I don't think you want to be the guy or a gal that stands before God having been the one with a pail of water and you threw it on a person. Oh, yeah. That was on, on, on fire for the Lord that you quenched that somewhere by saying, well, you know, you got to be careful. I mean, I, there's yeah. wisdom, all those things. But, man, just to look into the soul of, of the next generation that's catching fire for God right. and just say, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so Just keep leaning in. Keep lingering there. Well, Bill, let's let's pray for it. You know? Yeah, let's do and and. Could I just uh, do this a little differently? Could I, could I lead us, lead the listener right now? We're, Kyle and I are not going to pray per se. We're going to lead you in prayer. And then in a minute, Kyle, you close it with a moment of prayer. Is that, is that good? So right now, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And... As we begin, if God has given you a revelation of himself and he's given you a heart for him, would you just pause right now, whether you're driving in a car or sitting in a a room somewhere or a coffee house, would you just pause in prayer and thank God for his mercy? I'll be quiet for just a moment. Just thank him for touching your life. And if you're listening to this today and you say, you know what, my heart, I've known that in my past, but my heart has grown cold. I don't have a white hot heart. I, I, I've lost my first love. Would you take a minute in prayer? I think God will hear this prayer and answer it in ways you can't imagine. And maybe just say to the Lord, Lord, whatever you need to do, would you bring me to the end of myself and restore a passion for you? Just ask him that right now. If there's any known sin that you instantly come comes to your mind that you know is 
aborting the presence of God and the fullness of his spirit in your life, would you just confess that to him, ask for his cleansing in your life? Be specific. And would you pray right now that God would raise up in your church, on your college campus, in your school, in your city, men and women and students who are just filled with the Holy Spirit, they're confident in the gospel, and they are willing to just keep coming with Christ. Just pray for that. And Kyle, just close our time of prayer. So, Father, we ask in the strong name of Jesus that even now uh, for listeners uh, and for those across our nation, that you would, by your mere presence, Help us catch fire. Yes, God. In fresh ways, God. I, I, Lord, just even as Bill was leading us to pray, I was just reminded, Lord, there's just so much more. There's yes. just so much more of you, Lord God. So I thank you for every turn in the road and every part of my journey and every holy ground place in my life. But, God, I want more of them. And, Lord, I pray for our listeners, God. I pray for moments at the burning bush, Lord, where they mm -hmm. hear that I am that I am, and that they take off their shoes because they're on holy ground. God, I'm, I'm asking for moments with the commander of the Lord's armies. God, I'm for moments where, Lord, you're coming down Jesus off the mountain and they see you in all your glory. God, I'm, I just ask for moments, Lord, marker moments that change, yeah. Lord Jesus, that change your sons and daughters, that our faces would be literally illuminated with your glory. Yes. God, would, that, that there'd be radiant faces, God. I, I pray that you would raise up in the days ahead, Lord, men and women that are so tangibly marked with God, that yes. we all want to be one, so yes. tangibly marked with God, that the world wouldn't know what to do with us. That's right. That the world wouldn't know what to do with us because it's other, it's God. So, Lord, please do that again in a fresh way that advances your gospel and your kingdom, Jesus, that, that in the power of the Spirit we would preach Lord, and, and I think that there was moments like that. That was true of Stephen, and he died, and yep. he died, Lord. But we'd be willing. We'd be willing, God, to be so marked by you that when the world hates us, we just keep coming. That's we right. We just keep coming, Lord. So do that, Lord, because you're worthy of it, and time is too short. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And well, listen, it's been a privilege again, Bill. That was fantastic, bro. Fantastic. And I, I've just— Got to think listeners are hearing this and are wanting in a fresh way to be rekindled with passion for God. And the other side of that is you know people. You know people that need to hear this today. You know people maybe that once burned bright for God that needs a fresh touch. I would encourage you, send this, man. Send them a link to this. Share it with others to help spread it. And, and, and we're believing every week uh, for more and more. 